Welcome to Cooler Heads with your host, Jed Hayford of Mission Peace. This is a show about finding the voice of reason in contentious times, trying to have more reasonable conversation with less venom and division. Now, here's Jed Hayford. Welcome to Cooler Heads. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's a topic near and dear to my heart. We are going to talk about policing and police reform. I have a great guest coming your way to talk about this stuff, and we're going to hear some of your comments. But first, as always, we need the reasonable take. Cool music. I'm going to do my very best to do this topic justice with the reasonable take. As I've said, this is near and dear to my heart. I care very much about police officers and the communities they serve. I have friends in law enforcement, many of whom I know are great men and women. Do we have a problem in this time and in our country? I believe we do. Part of why Mission Peace got started and I got set on this path was the aftermath of the George Floyd incident. And I saw so much hatred and so much division in our country. And it obviously brought to light, there are things that are not going the way they're supposed to. Peace officers, law enforcement officers are there to protect and serve. They aren't always viewed that way. And I think there's a lot of responsibility, not blame, but responsibility to go around. I'll start with the media. I put a lot of responsibility at the feet of our media who are biased in favor of the sensational. I understand we got to get clicks and we got to sell newspapers and we got to get views. But so often there is a sensationalizing and there There is an emphasizing of the absolute worst, the absolute worst moments, the absolute worst incidents, and often an intentional lack of context. And I could give a million examples, but for now, just let me suffice it to say, many times we are manipulated into more emotion based on what the media shows us, particularly in the way of video. Someone asked me recently, why is George Floyd a symbol of this issue? And and I say, if, if, if there weren't video cameras there capturing that incident, he's probably not. This incident may not even be uh, be famous or known to us, but the reality is when the whole world sees a video, there's an awful lot of reaction and there's an awful lot of emotion. Trying to be reasonable here, do I believe the police, quote unquote, need to be reformed? I believe any profession where lives are in people's hands, we can always look to do better. We'll never be perfect. But in some professions, someone pointed out to me recently in the airline industry, we can't have a lot of pilots who aren't good, right? The pilots uh, room for error is pretty small. And there are a lot of professions where they do considerable weeding out, considerable ongoing testing and proficiencies. Does that happen in law enforcement? Let me tell you, being close to this for the past few months, it does. They got more training up front than I would have thought, depending on where you are, the state, the city, that department. Could it be more? Could it be better? Yes. Again, you're talking uh, to somebody who started an organization to do de-escalation and emotional intelligence training, especially for law enforcement and people in positions of authority. And I believe that there is new and better information than there was even just a few years years ago about the human brain, about mental health, about dealing with people who are intoxicated. And obviously you've seen this. There are people who are just better. There are people who are just better than others at de-escalating. I think the best de-escalators in the world, some of whom I feel like I have studied, there are specific things that they're doing. There are specific things that they're saying, not saying, how they stand. There's an intentionality to it. And that's the stuff that we teach at Mission Peace, that resentment toward law enforcement breaks my heart the most. And I want to remind people 
when they just and this is uh, this is lumping. We talked about this recently when they lump all cops together and say all cops are blank. Number one, you're wrong. When you lump people together like that, it's a recipe for being wrong. Number two, that wasn't who hurt you. If we could do one thing in this society, if we could stop taking out our pain on people who didn't do it. People who didn't hurt you. If, if you got hurt or someone you care about got hurt, it was by someone else and it was in some other time and it was some other place. And two wrongs don't make a right. We teach that to little kids. I can't believe the number of adults who I see that there's a vindictiveness, there's a getting even, and sometimes under the guise of, oh, this will make things right, or this will be justice, or this will be equity. Hurting someone else who didn't hurt you is not justice. It's not equity. It's wrong. Hating somebody else because of the the color of their skin because of the badge or the uniform that they put on because of the profession that they chose hating someone else because they're in a category is wrong we've got to stop it and we can't justify it by saying well, here's another word that gets used a lot systemic well there's a systemic problem problem is we're a society of individuals ladies and gentlemen find me the cop who woke up in the morning and said i'm going to go out and abuse my power hurt somebody on purpose and i will help you get that person ousted from the police force from working in law enforcement find those individuals who are guilty and who are doing bad things and let's hold them accountable. But to chalk it all up and say, it's all bad, they're all bad, is a little bit oversimplistic and we can't solve anything that way. We have to get down to the specifics. We have to get down to the individual. We have to get down, are there entire departments where there are problems and there's a culture problem? Absolutely. But that's going to be solved on that level. It's not going to be solved by defunding the police. The smartest people people I've talked to are saying the opposite. They're saying, fund the heck out of it. Get more training. Get training earlier. Raise the bar. Get more mental health training and more mental health personnel involved in some of these de-escalation scenarios. But the last thing we want to do is take that presence off the streets. We have some data now. It's been done in some places for a few months. In the places where there is less of a police presence, crime has gone up. It's not going down. The police being there is not the problem. The interactions, as some of the, the folks are, are going to point out in our Pulse segment, the interactions and the way that the public acts is part of the problem. So again, there's responsibility everywhere. If I'm a law enforcement officer or if I'm a law enforcement agency, do I have an increased responsibility to see what's going on and do my very best to alleviate these situations where there's undue and unnecessary tension and conflict? Absolutely. As a society, do we need to have more general respect for one another and more respect in general for people in authority? Absolutely. And as media personnel or as people who consume media, do we need to be a little bit more reasonable and a little less sensational? Do there need to be more videos out there of cops doing great things in communities? Do we need to hear more positive stories and good news? Absolutely. We can do better. I promise you. We need to examine ourselves first. We need to examine our roles. We need to evaluate often. We need to increase accountability, but it's not just on one side of the equation. I really believe we can have more peaceful interactions between law enforcement and the people in the community. I really believe we can have more peace between people in authority and the communities that they're serving. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is The Reasonable Take. 
On the line with me is an awesome guy, my friend Scott Seaman, mortgage guy extraordinaire. And I decided to have Scott come on and tell us just a little bit about what's going on out there in the world of financing homes. Hey, thanks, Jed. Yeah, I have. Uh, I made the joke earlier today that with somebody else that I've been doing this for 23 years now. Um, but really, more accurately, I've been doing this one year 23 times in a row because <laughs> every year is absolutely different. And this year is no different. Holy cow, there's just not enough homes out there for people to buy. So it is more important than ever uh, for people if they want to get into the market and buy a home to get qualified, to work through all the dotting of the I's and crossing of the T's to make sure when they find the perfect house that they are ready to go. And they're working with somebody local and somebody who's been around in the market for a long time and trusted and who can make phone calls on their behalf and really try to help them get a home. It's, it is a very wacky environment out there right now. Interest rates are staying low. We're still in the nice low threes, which is perfect for purchasing a home and also still perfect for refinancing. I get people all the time asking me if now is still a good time. I tell people all the time, give me a call. Let me run some numbers for you and we'll see what makes sense. So it's a fun time to be in the financing world still. I bet it is. Well, I was going to ask you that very thing. And honestly, when you talk about somebody you can trust, ladies and gentlemen, please believe me, this is a man you can trust. If people want to start that process, Scott, how can they find you or get a hold of you? On your first point there, I'll tell you this, more getting a mortgage loan is just numbers. And I think that's what people need to remember. It's not a, a crazy emotional get sold or, or a bill of goods kind of thing. Just find somebody you trust and let them run numbers for you. That's what I always say. And I'd love to help out. Best way to reach me if somebody wants to do just that is 719-352-7077 or www.applywithscott.com. Please do it, ladies and gentlemen. You will be glad you did. Uh, Scott, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thank you. It's a great gift when you've known somebody a long time. And that's something I can say about my friends at Aspen Roofing Company. I can also tell you that they do a great job. If you've got any issues with your roof, if you need a free estimate, if you're in Woodland Park, Colorado Springs, the Colorado Springs area, talk to these guys. They are bonded and insured and licensed and all that stuff. Aspen Roofing Company, 719-684-0760. That is 719-684-0760. Aspen Roofing Company. Something we always love to do on Cooler Heads is hear your voice. I'm going to include today a bunch of comments from you on this idea of policing and police reform. Let's get into them. Daniel says, I love the police, but we should all be held to the same standards, human rights, and rule of law, no matter what our profession is. Comment from Doug, demilitarize the police, make community policing paramount. People act differently when it's their own community rather than an invading force. Defund has been a trendy term, but really misses the mark. We do need to defund, but that doesn't mean defund them to zero. We need to take some of the money given to them and place it in resources that are proven to work. For instance, Arapahoe and Douglas County have trained mental health professionals that ride on calls and help give the professional help they need. Stacy says, more practical training for heated situations one day out of the week to keep them ready. Actual common situations, practice situations or scenarios. What we don't use, our brain forgets. Practice makes perfect. And I will say, a little uh, editorial here, that's one of the reasons that my organization, Mission Peace, does what we do. We provide that exact type of training. I'm also a strong proponent of community policing. Law enforcement is more effective in rural areas because you probably know the sheriff and the deputies. Your dad probably went to school with them. You might be 
part of the same church or play in the local sports league. Strangers with guns policing our streets is just a recipe for trouble. We should empower communities to protect themselves rather than have someone you've never met pulling you over or coming to your house to do a wellness check. Here's one more. Personally, better parenting would lead to less police work needed and also more mental health training. Our community has a great CIT program. I learned a lot with them when I went through it on the mental health side and did a ride along. All right, one more. If parents teach their kids to respect police officers, police officers will be more effective at their job. But if parents disrespect the police and don't teach their kids to listen to them, police jobs are a lot harder and the police end up having to use more forceful measures to apprehend criminals. People could do a million different things to try and reform the police system, but it all starts at home. I'm a person of color. People at different times have thought I was Hispanic, South American, or black. My parents taught me to respect police and do what they ask, even if we didn't do anything wrong. On a separate note, I don't think police need reforming. 99% of the examples where police shot an unarmed person, the person was resisting arrest or not following orders. If people had not resisted or did what the police arresting them asked them to do, then they would likely have not been shot. If you need to buy or sell a home in the Woodland Park or Colorado Springs area, please consider talking to my friend. I've known him since we were kids, Jason Roshek at jasonroshek.com. Jason Roshek Partners, Coldwell Banker, First Choice Realty. If you want to buy or sell a home right now, you need somebody who knows what they're doing. This guy grew up in real estate and uh, he's also a great guy, does a lot for the community. So please go see my friend Jason if you're buying or selling a home. Excited to have my guest with me this week, Quentin Blanche, a man who grew up here, also grew up the son of a cop. Yes, sir. Also grew up black. Yes. <laughs> still still is, if anyone's wondering. Yeah, bronze. And you got, uh, I mean, you have some pretty interesting perspective on this issue. I know it's a tough issue, but, but Quentin, is. thanks for coming in and talking to us about this. Uh, let, let's start with the fact of you know, t- telling people who you are. I know that you yes. are a speaker, an entertainer. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you're an entrepreneur. Yes, sir. I know we're speaking together at an event coming up here in, uh, in August called Unconditional. Yes, sir. Very That's specifically for, for entrepreneurs. What are you going to talk about at Unconditional? Uh, harmony, the power of the mind, how to be in alignment with yourself. That way you can get closer to your goals and your dreams, become the person that you see yourself that you want to become. And uh, it's going to be some great insight just on how to take control of your mind and how to get yourself in the right direction. So, Oh, I just love yeah. that. I'm going to talk about peace, you know, something simple. <laughs> hey. And speaking of simple, today yeah. we're talking about a real easy topic. <laughs> Uh, policing and police reform and the the, yeah. the relationship that law enforcement has with the community. As you know, it's been super stretched and stressed over the past year plus. Oh, for sure. Part of what, what drove me to want to do this. But you have a, a pretty unique perspective being, how mm-hmm. many years was your was your father a police officer? Uh, I think 31 years. I mean, that's a long time it to is. be a cop. It is. And I think that's a bit, people will say it's like dog years, where it's, <laughs> that's probably like 112 or something. Yeah, that's a long time. So your entire your life, you have mm-hmm. your father, who's an authority figure. Yes, sir. Who's not just a cop, but a good cop. Yes. And you're brought up and, and raised to obviously have respect for oh, yeah. police and for oh, that for institution. Sure. For sure. At the same time, okay. as a young man, you've got friends, and I've heard you talk about this, where, where people.
people sort of would assume things about you based on whether it be based on race or you know you're a young athletic guy and they right. think this about you. But talk a little bit about maybe just your experience growing up mm-hmm. and maybe what led to some of your attitudes about law enforcement. Uh, my mom and dad both married. Uh, my dad's lighter skin, but definitely consider him a black person. My mom's about my skin tone, a little bit darker, and uh, I just always saw the way he held himself as a man and how he wanted to serve his community. So that's why he became a police officer. So it was always for a good cause, a good reason for him to be an officer. So mm-hmm. I didn't really experience racism probably until my mid-teens, probably 14 or 15. Wow. And that instance was with a cop, which actually my dad got involved, which I can share more about that story. Um, <laughs> that sounds like an interesting story. It, it is. It very much, it very much was. Um, and so I was raised with good principles. My parents always were very intentional on how they raise us and how we handle ourselves, our manners, our mannerisms, how we dress, how we show up. And maybe that's because where they grew up, it was a little bit more segregated for sure. They're from Louisiana and I was born and raised in Colorado. So completely different environment to be brought up in. And my parents really got to experience, uh, you know, blacks living on one side of the town, whites living on the other. If blacks would move into that side of town, then eventually it would become predominantly black and then the whites would move. And that's kind of still how it is today. Yeah, some of that still happens. Mm -hmm. So there was a real intentionality by your parents to say, here's how we're going to present ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's obviously, and even today, I mean, people can't see this, but but, uh, Q came in dressed really nice for this interview. (laughs) And I look like uh, like a slob. But uh, it's it's something, obviously, you you were raised to say, uh, put your best foot forward, put yourself out there in a positive way. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Be aware of how you're interacting with the people around you, especially when it comes to law enforcement. And that sounds like a pretty good idea just in general. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, With our principles of mission peace, we talk about intentional communication. Be intentional about the messages that you send. So as Mm -hmm. you're growing up, you have this great environment with high standards in your home. For sure. And then you go out in the community and you run into, obviously, there's ignorant people out there. Oh, for sure. That's that's a huge problem. (laughs) So talk a little bit about this. With race in policing, it's obviously obviously something uh, a law enforcement officer has to be aware of. For sure. But from your perspective, because I'm just a dummy when it comes to this subject, I know nothing about how it really feels or or how Mm. race affects people's attitudes toward toward police. Oh, for sure. Um, Especially depending on where you're from. I know maybe more more in the South, even the East Coast, I've experienced racism. I mean, I've experienced it here very lightly, you know, in the Midwest. But um, I mean, your attitude towards cops really kind of builds this perception of how you're going to approach the situation. So if you're pulled over or you're in this weird exchange with an officer, something bad were to happen, um, I think the officer kind of combats that depending on their attitude. And if you're in the South, um, even my father says there's some cops here he will never work with just because he knows they're not the best hearted. They have maybe more ill intent than some other officers. But in his case, he says majority of the police department, they're good people. They want to serve and protect. That's why they got in the force. And so that's what I saw. But I can definitely say that sometimes, depending on the situation, it is a black and white thing. And I think all based on environment, that has the most to do with if that's the truth or not, if it's really about black and white and race. Because uh, I've seen it, but it wasn't until later in my life. Um, what's weird for me is I didn't experience racism and, and, and you know racism until I was 14, 15. So I didn't even assume that people looked at me any different based on the color of my skin. It didn't even click in my mind. Just so as a of kid, you were just me. with your friends having a good time you with your family and you didn't, didn't, it wasn't a big issue. Not at all. I had three black friends growing up. My friend Brandon, Jonathan, and myself. That's how many black friends I had. And you so had most, a lot of friends, so that means a whole rest yeah, of them most, were, were yeah. not, not a, yeah, people of color. Yeah, they're mostly white. You know, if I go back to uh, Louisiana where my family's from, and I love my cousins, but sometimes they call me proper. They're like, oh, you so proper? <laughs> and, you know, because they got a little bit more slow twang and country, which is totally their, their vibe. And 
I just was raised around that environment, so that's who I became. I, and I, I never understood that there was a huge difference when, when people, and even even saying the South is lumping, sure. and we try not to lump, but no, we try not the to. The history exactly. of policing, I learned this recently as I kind of researched this topic. There's a history associated with policing in the South that was really oh, slave man. patrols and yeah. going after, and people yep. assume, oh, that's the entire history of policing, and I've heard entire. that lump. Yeah. That's not the case. If right? you if you lived in a northern city mm-hmm. in that time, they were based on the, the constables yeah. that were uh, they had seen in England. They were they were kind of trying to emulate what they had seen in, in maybe European countries where they had come from. For sure, that uh, this is you know they have this constable that stands on the corner and right. makes sure everybody's uh, being safe and everything. Mm-hmm. So even even if we tried to lump uh, even two states together and oh, say the sure. history of policing in this state is different oh, than sure. the history of this, now we get into modern times. Mm-hmm. I just talked to a guy who's a cop really near Minneapolis. He's not in Minneapolis, but okay. he's really near. And, that's, and he said oof. it's such a heated environment. I'm sure. That on one hand, I mean, he can drive down the street and he'll hear things bouncing off his police car, people <sighs> throwing stuff. Man. And what I just, you know, what I just said to the audience is please remember that that was somebody else who hurt you. <sighs> it was some other person, some other time, and some other place. Don't take it out on, we logically know that that's not the thing to do. Don't right. take out what's happened mm-hmm. on someone who had nothing to do with it. Exactly. They weren't even, they, they weren't part of the consequences. They had no action in that. They're just doing their job. Easy for me to say, but but how, how do you do that? As a person who walks around without a lot yeah, of uh, a grudges and chips on your shoulder, <laughs> yeah. how do you do that? Because you're all, I see you being a real positive person. You're a positive force, mm. both in person and, and online. For sure. uh, and I, even that you've taken grief for. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> but how do you do it? How, is, is it a decision you make ahead of time? I'm going to be mm-hmm. positive about this. Oh, for sure. Um, how was raised faith, optimism. Uh, of course, you don't want to be completely lollygagging around. Like, there's no such thing as a negative situation that could take place. Yeah, you want to be realistic. Yeah, you got to be realistic. I just expect the best that most people are good people. I don't think most people want to create harm and have ill intentions or want to take something out on them because somebody's different. You know, I don't think most people are like that. I think majority of cops are good. Like, there's great doctors. There's some not so good doctors. There's great lawyers. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy profession. <laughs> but then there's some lawyers that are absolutely, they're doing everything at their own gain at your demise. So I think uh, with police officers in this town, at least, I wouldn't get in a lot of trouble because I knew once I get home, my dad can legally kill me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm a preacher's kid. So I, I, I understand a little bit about that, uh, that scrutiny and that expectation. Like yes. you can't mess up, but you're probably going to. Oh, for sure. But you, yeah. you absolutely had that in, in mind of, I can't, well, you, you have a pride. You don't want to let down yeah. your family. But yeah. also, yeah, if I really did get in trouble, it's it's not like I could keep this from getting to my dad. Yep. And once he knows, I mean, he instilled the, the spirit of fear in my soul <laughs> of what he could do. <laughs> That's a good way to say it. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. I didn't get in any trouble to where, yeah, this is going to legally be out of line. This is completely legal. And my father is going to reprimand me to the worst degree. And which like, is awesome. To, and then that yeah. was that's so some of the comments from people who chimed in this week in our comments is they said, if parents are doing their job, the job of, of police gets easier. Oh, for sure. For sure. And you have mostly good cops up there. I mean, I've had situations where a cop actually was pretty kind to me. Then I've had just a few situations in my life so far that I was like, man, that was an interesting moment, you know? Because if, if you don't like Q, uh, you got to take the, you got to look in the mirror, <laughs> look in the mirror and, and there's the problem right there. Because everybody oh, likes this guy. <laughs> 
how do we make this situation better? I mean, you you believe in some of the same mm. principles that we teach at Mission Peace. Let's assume positive intent. Let's not assume if right. people are out to, to get us or hurt us. Let's right. not walk around with our defenses up all the time unnecessarily. For sure. For sure. But as a society, what, what, what can you offer as some things that might help this situation get better? Um, I mean, I know recently with the whole, was it Derek Chauvin case? You know, there were some consequences there that I think are kind of a step forward because what I think he did was completely wrong. The worst of what a human being should do to another, even despite the background to, you know, George Floyd. It's been a consensus yeah. so far is that when there is accountability, yep, accountability trust sure. goes up. So those those officers who do bad things obviously have to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of the equation. For sure. I think it's on both sides. I mean, I have friends and connections that they live in different places and, you know, first thought is like, oh, here's the here's the popo, here's the cops, here's, here's the pigs. You know, and that's an attitude. Um, for me, when I see a cop, I think of my father. You know, this is somebody that's trying to do their best to protect and serve. Now, could this cop be racist? Could this cop have a gun? Because that's the issue. Cops have the ability to kill someone. That's the hard part. How do you know this person's good-hearted, has a good mind and conscience on their shoulders, and they're becoming a police officer? So I think there needs to be a lot more work done on the entry to becoming a police officer. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because That's uh, been, uh, that's been yeah. a common theme of, the, again, the, the wise people that I've talked to, they said, let's raise the bar. Um, they, I had one person mm-hmm. say, in my state, you can become a cop very young. I'd actually like to see that age a bumped up where you're, because, you know, when I'm a 19, 20-year-old man, mm-hmm. I, I, my, there's things in my brain that, that aren't, but yeah. I'll tell you, the quote was, he said, I don't think I had a smart thought until I was older than 25. <laughs> oh, my God. And that hurts a little bit. Uh, and but then, then I think yeah, back yeah, to when yeah. I was that age, and I'm like, eh, yeah. But uh, raising that bar of entry mm-hmm. and making it a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. and if, if we were going to do that, I think, to be fair, then let's bump up the pay. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Make it, oh, that's another thing, our you know, civil services and people serving the community as far as pay goes versus, you know, so many other professions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, because you should want to do this for the right reasons, but it shouldn't be such a financial mm-hmm. sacrifice mm-hmm. to do that because that's going to weed out a few people who say, I'd like to do that, but oh, I just sure. literally can't afford to for do sure. it for and sure. support my family. Of course, yeah, support your family, and you're putting your life on the line every day. What about the other side? What what, what can the community do better for sure. to make this problem uh, improve? I think uh, that's a wonderful question. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all answer because every community is a little different. I mean, if you look at Seattle right now, um, as far as being a police officer, what's going on in the community, it's a lot of chaos in many places. You know, in Colorado, I haven't really seen too much craziness since George Floyd instance that happened with people protesting. And there's peaceful protests, but then this looting and destroying and shooting, especially being a black person and going in a black community and destroying stuff in the name of we need better laws and people to treat us right, that's just, you know, anger's going to get more anger. You're just shaking your head you know? when you see that. I do. This um, is making the problem worse. Worse. It's making it worse. And I mean, sometimes it's like getting a cut. Like, it hurts to let you know it's there. And so this is kind of like a cut that's deep. And so we feel that pain and people respond differently to pain. I understand the emotion, but they say, I'm going to do something bad mm-hmm. because this bad thing happened. And when I worked with kids, I used to work with troubled teenagers. Yes, I would sir. say, I would say, well, tell me if this makes sense. If I step in some, some dog doo-doo, <laughs> I say, well, I already got one foot in there. Might as well get both feet in there. <laughs> right? That doesn't make sense. Right, no. People want to do that. They want to respond with an injustice with more injustice. injustice so they yeah. want to, and I hear you saying, let's please not 
not do that. Yeah, let's society. not do that. Let's take a Martin Luther King approach. Was he perfect? No, but he did speak like, let's not go out there and destroying and being violent to try to get rid of violence. We've got to be smarter than that. We've got to be more tactful than that. And uh, I mean, look how far we've come. I'm a black man who grew up in a predominantly white area that I've had lots of great opportunities in my life that I've been able to uh, seize because of how far the country's come. Is it everywhere? No. Are we perfect? No. Um, but but I'd rather on focus on the yeah. uh, the good that has happened. Oh, for sure. Rather for sure. than uh, be out there kind of fighting against and saying this isn't this isn't where it should be. Therefore, I'm mm-hmm. going to make the problem worse. Exactly. I think that my part is speaking up. But it, you know, having kids. If I have kids, I'm going to raise them a certain way so they can be more prepared for what the world's going to bring. I think a lot of things going on. We just haven't been raised. We don't know how to think or what to think. I always heard when your emotions are high, your intellect goes straight down. Yeah. The angrier we get, the dumber we get. Yeah, that's that's so a true. mission piece principle. The more emotional we get, the stupider we get. And literally, yeah. it's neurochemical switches that are throwing our brains into the dumber parts, and mm-hmm. we, we can't help it. Yep. So there's some science to being calm and reasoned because you're actually raising the IQ yep, yep, of sure. that person that you're that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm talking to a person with a high IQ. <laughs> and because we do it here on Cooler Heads, we always do shameless plugs. We talked about having great opportunities. Yes, yes, yes. I know, that, again, as a, as a musician, as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of cool stuff going on. For sure. Um, so I got started in the retail background, so I've always loved working with people. I went to school for game design, so I love video games. So I really just got into business because I wanted to find a way that I could build my own schedule so I could play as many video games as I'd like That's to. good motivation <laughs> for a young man. That's good motivation. So I figured that out and got involved in direct sales. That really started to take off and learned some great skills there. So um, I'm in a company called Secret Direct. So we have skincare that's the best in the world. Um, the ingredients come from the Dead Sea, so there's a lot of benefits to the Dead Sea. I like helping people look good feel good and travel the world. That's what I love to do. And uh, sound good. Yeah, yeah, and sound good. The music then, having the passions and you know, learning how to build a business, you start learning how to market yourself. And uh, I just decided to start making my passions my hobbies at first and then taking those to where they became a business. If they want to find you or mm-hmm. your or your music or, or get in touch with you, how can people find you? Great question. Right now, best place is social media, Facebook or Instagram. We also have our uh, record label website. So to reach me on uh, Facebook, it's www.facebook.com forward slash Quentin Blanche, Q-U-I-N-T-O-N-B-L-A-N-C-H-E. Um, my Instagram is Q Blanche. That's my handle on Instagram, and you can find me there. Um, our website for music is Royal Dominion Entertainment. And so that's spelled how it sounds. Brand new record label, Royal yes. Dominion Entertainment. Yes, and it's biblical for us. It's biblical. And in Genesis, dominion over the earth, and we're not doing it in an egotistical way. We're doing it in God gave us gifts way. What an awesome thing you're doing, man. Congratulations on all your success, and thank you so much for coming on and helping us uh, untangle this really complicated yeah, issue. Yeah. Yeah, this could be uh, so deep. Yeah, we could go for about four more hours. But, <laughs> Easily. Uh, could go uh, go give your dad a hug if you, oh, if you get a sure, chance. For and, sure, and I will. Seriously, uh, thank him for raising uh, raising a great young man. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you, Jim. That's Quentin Blanche, a wonderful guest, and we are so uh, pleased to have him on Cooler Heads. Oh, we'll be right back on KPPF. <laughs> So here's some good news. Today you broke your all-time record for consecutive days alive. I want to do a few things. I want to thank my guest, Quentin Blanche, for a great conversation. I want to encourage you to check out our website, mission-peace.org. That's Mission Peace's website. There's some great information on there, and you can find out more about the trainings that we offer and the great things that we're doing, trying to touch both sides of this issue with the community and with law enforcement. I want to encourage you to be reasonable and listen and fight with 
one another less. To that end, our show next week is going to be about conflict resolution and how we settle some of these disputes when they when they start to turn nasty. I want to thank you for joining me every week on this journey. Let's go outside, smile at some people. Isn't it nice to do that? And let's remember that cooler heads will prevail and love will win. This has been Cooler Heads with Jed Hafer of Mission Peace, presented by Scott Seaman of ApplyWithScott.com and by Jason Rochette from Coldwell Banker, First Choice Realty, and by Aspen Roofing Company, Inc. Tune in every Saturday at 3 p.m. for Cooler Heads and listen to the podcast on Podbean.